You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good evening, everybody. My name's Rachel, if you've not met me before, and we have got some really exciting news tonight. If you were here this morning, you'll get to hear the exciting news for a second time. Um, So many of you will know that the last couple of years, our compassion ministries have grown significantly. And our heart is more than ever to serve our city. It's just been incredible to see everything that God's been doing as we've just simply said yes to the next thing we feel he's calling us to do. So for example, our food bank has grown enormously. We launched Grow Baby, which is bringing so much hope and life to some of the most vulnerable families in Hull. Our CMA debt advice is managing thousands and thousands of pounds of debt that different people have in the city, helping break generational poverty. Just some of the amazing things that God has been doing. Um, Tomorrow, we'll have the table again, our soup kitchen, which is really more than a soup kitchen, it's a three-course meal, serving the city up close with radical kindness. And there are stories week after week about the kingdom breaking in, lives changing, and the city served with the kindness of Jesus. But there is so much more that we want to do in our city. So today, I'm absolutely thrilled to share about the launch of a new ministry in our church called Flourish. Flourish is a ministry in partnership with the incredible local organisation Lighthouse, which some of you will be familiar with already. And the heart behind Flourish is to actively step into the stories of Hull's most vulnerable women and love and serve women who are caught in addiction, homelessness, prostitution. As a church, we see there is a huge need and this is a moment for us to say yes to this next thing. And in setting up this formal partnership with Lighthouse, we know that we're chasing the heart of God for these women. So we've recently made a short film to tell some of the story of Lighthouse for those of you who are not familiar. So we're going to watch the short film and then we're going to interview some of the team from Lighthouse. Hi, my name is Yvonne. Uh, I started first volunteering for Lighthouse on an evening and became an outreach worker about eight years ago and became project manager three years ago. So why, why is Lighthouse here? Well, we exist um, yeah, to reach out some of the most vulnerable women in the city, some of the most overlooked women in the city, uh, marginalised and, and judged. Um, to go out and meet them where they are really, to cross over into their world and yeah, and just uh, let them know that somebody loves them, them and somebody cares for them. Hi, I'm Kath, I work for the whole Lighthouse Project. I've worked uh, with them for 18 years. So Lighthouse, when it first began, which would be, oh gosh, um, nearly 26 years ago, was largely a bit of a move of God. So the people who were involved in the start, they, God laid really on the hearts the plight of the women who were out there and they started to reach out to them uh, just offering a hot drink and a bit of a place to relax and unwind and as things grew they realised how complex the needs of the women were 
and that what they could do on a night wasn't going to be enough. So the women we support, their lives aren't really, they're not really living, their words are, it's just existing, just looking at getting through the next day, uh, getting through their addiction, um, dealing with homelessness, dealing with violence on a daily basis. So the women that we go out to on an evening, when we do our evening outreach, um, people think it's a choice for them to be out there uh, selling sex on the streets, but it's been a number of years of trauma and neglect and abuse and addiction and everything that's brought them to that. It's such a dangerous place that um, attacks are regular and nobody chooses to be out there. It's just out of desperation. It's a very dark place to be. So the hope is from meeting people on an evening or with that they'll cross over to support during the day and it looks different for every woman and um, we, we tailor it to their needs for a lot. It's supporting getting them on a script first of all for their heroin addiction, uh, getting them housed. If, if you can't do these basic things then how can you start to recover? So we run and drop in. We, drive them to appointments, we support them to health appointments that they need. Uh, we run art groups and gardening groups to create community for people who've had to cut themselves off from everybody who they've dealt with in the past. A lot of it's just about listening, about having a drink with them, listening or responding to a cry of help after they've been attacked, trying to get them to speak to the police. And, and every day looks very different. So Hull Vineyard's been my home for so many years and it's just been amazing to be able to bring the women along to meals and Christmas services and for food parcels and alphas and it, it, we just want to do so much more. So to have the church behind us with prayer and practical ways and to just come alongside, it would just open up so much opportunity and be just so supportive to me and the team here. God's heart for the women is not to be out there selling themselves. He's got a much better life and I want them to know that and to know his love and his acceptance and all those things that they're looking for. The only answer ever is in Jesus. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who can help and support, but there's only Jesus that sets you free. We're so honoured tonight to have two of the incredible staff team from Lighthouse. Can you welcome to the stage Yvonne and Claire? Hello, ladies. Now, Kath, who you saw in the video tonight, is unfortunately poorly tonight, but um, we she do have... She co got COVID. Oh. <laughs> How inconvenient and inconsiderate. <laughs> but we do have Claire. Now, Claire, you might recognise as well as a member of our whole Vineyard staff team because you've just become our Grow Baby coordinator as well, haven't you, Claire? Yes, I have. Yes, I have but yes. previously to that, do you want to talk about how long you've been in the church and how long you worked for Lighthouse for and what your involvement there is now? Yes, yeah, so, um, oh, I don't know how long I've been in the church. About <laughs> 23 years? Yeah, about 23 years. Um, so... I think 14 years ago, um, God spoke to me in a dream, and he told me to get on the bus. 
And I thought, I don't know what he means, get on the bus. Um, and I just thought it was very strange. So I, I left it. And then um, a couple of weeks later, I was talking to Kath. And she asked me if I wanted to volunteer for Lighthouse. Um, and I said, yeah, sure. You know, what does it entail? And she explained like, going out on an evening. But she said, but the thing is, you have to get on the bus. I'm like, ah, a light bulb <laughs> moment. So I went along um, and literally for a few weeks did that volunteering. And then I soon went into volunteering during the day. Um, and then a vacancy opened. And I ended up being the outreach coordinator. Um, and that progressed after a few years to being the project manager. Um, and then three years ago, was it? I handed it over, I'd had enough. So I handed it <laughs> over to Yvonne. <laughs> just before COVID. Yeah, just before COVID. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, so I'm still there. I still, I still work uh, a day there uh, supporting Yvonne. Um, but as Rachel said, I'm sort of moved on to grow baby now as well, but I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving. <laughs> it's, too, it's too precious lighthouse to, uh, to leave. It's, it's a fantastic place to work, uh, really rewarding. So, yeah. well, thanks, Claire. And how about you, Yvonne? How did you come to be involved in Lighthouse? Um, well, I think I've been part of Vineyard for... She didn't ask me that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, um, Longer than me. 25 years. Yeah, well, it's 24 years for us, and you came just before Andy and I. So, yeah, about... Yeah. Quarter so, of a century, Yvonne. Um, they, <laughs> just, just remind me how old I am. So, yeah, and the church used to um, run a women's ministry called Image. Um, and as part of that, we used to do, like, pamper evenings. And um, Kath and Claire used to bring some women along to these evenings. Mm. So I volunteered for that at first. Um, I remember being quite scared of the women sat in front of me who I was painting their nails. Um, and then it wasn't so we just started talking and I, I remember, I was thinking about it on the way here, I remember a particular lady and she had a daughter exactly the same age as mine. And I remember her specifically saying she was 14 and that daughter's 27 this year. So that was a long time ago when we, when we were doing that. But, uh, and just connecting with her. And yeah, I guess the journey started there. And then I started to volunteer on an evening, um, going out on evening outreach, and, and until a, a position came up as outreach worker. Um, not quite sure how I ended up project manager, but I'm trusting it's God, and then we'll be all all right. So, yeah. Yeah. so how many of the staff are in, in your team? So there's only five of us employed, isn't there? Um, and we have a lot of volunteers, um, a lot of agencies work with us, so uh, DAP, the domestic violence team, they use our building. Mm -hmm. And whole homeless use our building. And we have uh, Renew, the drugs support, they use our building. And they all come out on evening outreach with us um, and the community nurses. So, so yes, there's not many of us employed, but we, we rely a lot on partnerships and, and volunteers. Amazing. And so we heard a little bit of your heart through the film there, but Claire, how would you describe what the vision and heart behind Lighthouses. How would you describe that in your words? Um, I think, well, like you said, the, the film said it all, really. Um, I think the main thing is, is our faith underpins everything that we do. Um, without that, uh, yeah, I don't think we could, we could do what we do. Um, 
we just want a better a better way of life for the women that we see. Um, the, most of them are are excluded from society. They're on the margins. They're, they're not treated with respect or dignity. Um, and as again in the the film, Yvonne said, you know, we cross over into into their world, um, and it's through doing that we can get alongside them and offer offer help. Obviously, we can't do it for them; they have to do it for themselves. But by being alongside them, we just we can encourage them and, and help them to make those positive life changes, and um, yeah, just break that cycle of, of abuse and addiction. Because without anybody getting alongside you. It's really hard, um, yeah, because a lot of the women we see on an evening, they're sleeping during the day and they're awake on the night, so they're totally, totally on a different level to everyone else, so they're missing appointments, so yeah, we have to really sort of get alongside them and, and just show them God's, God's unconditional love. Yeah, that's wonderful, and for many of them that will be the first time they've been shown love Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I mean... And we're probably something probably going ahead ahead, but one of the first times um, I went out on an evening, um, I we stopped and we spoke to a lady on the street, and we offered her a, a hot chocolate, and we were talking, and she just burst into tears, and I said, "What you know? What's the matter?" And she said, "Why why are women like you bothering with somebody like me?" Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you're a woman just like us. You deserve, you know, the same treatment as as we get. And it always stuck with me after all, all these years. It, it, that's the one thing that I always remember is the way she looked and the way she just couldn't understand why we would even bother with her. And like, why wouldn't we? Oh, yeah. And that leads me nicely into to a question I had next for you, Yvonne. I mean, for so many of us, this level of pain, the, the heartbreak... The, the brokenness that you see is unimaginable. Can you paint a bit of a picture of, of what life's like for these women? And also a little bit how you deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis, because it must be heartbreaking for you guys too. Um, I'm going to go a bit off script, because during, <laughs> during the worship, um, I just had such a clear picture of... Uh, and... and um, Vicar John. Vicar John. Help me find the <laughs> in the Bible. Pastor but, John. Yeah, Pastor John. Sorry. Um, so I'm just going to read it and then I'll elaborate to why I think God showed me it. So um, it's in John 8. And, uh, so the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, the teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stern such a woman. And the picture was just to imagine how that woman feels right now, stood there, crowded around these men, ready to stern her, basically. Now, what do you say that they were using this question to trap in order to have a basis for accusing him? But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older one first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. 
And it, and it just felt in the worship just quite an overwhelming feeling of how the women feel. Um, you know, they feel like everybody's judging them, everybody's looking down on them. Even when we bring the women to different things with us, they feel like they have a label on them. Um, they feel like everybody, yeah, knows what they've done um, and that they have to kind of justify why they're there and kind of thing. And, and just um, for us to be, you know, like Jesus, to just... Uh, yeah, just to reach into that world and, and just say, you know, we can't judge you, you know, none of us can judge you. And, um, and just to give them hope of being able to walk out of that. Kath, mm-hmm. uh, because she couldn't be here and she had planned, she wrote a little bit of um, paint, painting a picture of what life is like for these women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to read a bit of hers. Wonderful. So she put, uh, well, it's not like the media would have you believe. Um, it's not a lifestyle choice. And we don't see pimps out with the women working with them. Typically, a woman will have had a, a childhood history of abuse and neglect. There are several families in the city where sex work has been multi-generational. And we've worked with grandmas, mums, daughters. Yeah. Often the women are served set up in unsuitably shared housing or a hostel. She may be encouraged to sex work in exchange for somewhere to sleep or to pay for drugs for the people who are putting her up. We have learnt that homeless hostels are a common place for women to be introduced into sex work. One woman told me that the woman who'd introduced her to it told her that you would, it would be most the easiest and the hardest money she would ever earn. Virtually all the streets, the street working women have addictions to class A drugs and or alcohol. This alone is a vicious circle. The need to work to buy drugs versus the need to be in a mind-altered state to do the work. Getting into drug treatment can be the first step towards leaving street work and starting to get your life back, but it's a long process. This week, one woman was saying drugs had been her life since she was 14 and she didn't really know who she was and what she likes. Another had said, basically, it'd been her life since she was nine. The levels of violence are truly hard to imagine and the women rarely report it. It's easier to take something to take something to forget what's just happened rather than reliving the trauma again and again. When they do, it tends to be if they report something, it tends to be because they want to tell us to save another woman if they fear for their life. Mm. Otherwise they wouldn't report it. One woman told me that she pulls out a strand of hair and puts it under the seat whenever she gets into a car so that there's evidence if she's not around to give it. Another on hearing that we'd done a later shift after midnight asked us what we thought we were playing at. It's an incredibly dangerous place. The most common thing we hear from those who've stopped is, I don't know how I managed to do that. And, and the majority of the women are completely different when we see them through the day, so they, they have to put like um, a, a different persona on on the night. It's like an act, they, they put a mask on, mm. they mm. act like somebody completely different. And when we support them through the day, they're incredibly anxious, incredibly, uh, yeah, nervous women, mm. really, who mm. can't bear going to any appointments or anything. So. Yeah. yeah, it just sounds like there's just been a cycle of, of bro- a totally lost identity in... Yeah. 
in who yeah, they're coming to be. Yeah, I mean, the lady mentions about saying she doesn't know who she is and mm. what she likes. Um, she's in her 30s and she's just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And oh. So we wanted to bless her, really, to take her places that were her, you know, that she'd never seen. Um, mm. But she, she, it's her life, she knows no difference. So, yeah, it's... Uh, there's a lot of Which is doing. why the work you do is so incredible. And, and Claire, do you have anything to add? I mean, how do you deal with the challenges yourself, being so close to people whose, whose lives are so raw and full of hurt? How do you manage that? Um, well, you couldn't do it without, without God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I often think when you see, um, excuse me if there's any social workers in, in the auditorium and um, I don't know how people who have difficult jobs like that do it if they haven't got God uh, if you haven't got the support of the church family and um, that's the only way we deal with it we deal with it because the team we, we all we're all close it's a small team and our faith you know keeps us going and we talk to each other we share we pray mm-hmm. for each other and um, because it's it is yeah, you are entering into a dark world, but it sounds, it sounds corny because we're called Lighthouse, but we do, we do feel protected when we're out there. Mm-hmm. We do know we're taking light out there. So, yeah, yeah, you, you've got strength knowing that, you know, you're protected because you're doing God's work. This is just such a key, a key difference with you guys, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I know, Claire, we've had agencies in yeah. who've been amongst families in terrible situations, just thinking about the domestic abuse partnership. And we've often commented that these workers often come in traumatised themselves by what they've seen. And you've pointed out to me the differences that we do it knowing Jesus and the hope and the light that he can bring. That's it. We have a lot of agencies that work with us at the moment, don't we, that are on long-term sick. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's... It's good to witness to them. They like being in our buildings because they do notice the difference. But there, are, there is always somebody who gets to you. Um, it's not always easy not to no, take no. certain things home with you. It's not always easy to close for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we do come in a little mm. bit over Christmas. Um, there are always some that get to you. But, yeah, you just have to keep bringing it Yeah, yeah. And I guess you've touched on this already, but what is driving you to do the things that you do? You've obviously talked about your faith. Are there any other things? Um, Well, it's it's compassion, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Once you know about these things, you can't ignore them. Uh, I do joke sometimes, like, couldn't I just have not known about this and just working mm. all day for the rest of my life. <laughs> but, um, Thank goodness you haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, they're the most amazing people that we get to meet. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's hard, but, gosh, it, it's so amazing as well to get to know these women who mm. are stronger than we are. I do wonder how they're still standing. And mm. um, to have a privilege of them to open up to you and let you into their world when you know they have been so hurt and lost all trust for everybody and yeah just for them to to share with you it's just such a privilege and Mm -hmm. and to be part of that journey um of them moving forward and and praying with them um yeah and just going through things with them it's it's a privilege isn't it but 
Hmm. It's, I mean, you just read the Bible, don't you? See, what, see the people Jesus yeah. hung out with, see yeah. him, what he did. It's, hmm. it's what we're called to do, isn't it? And I didn't realise until recently that the word compassion actually means to suffer with. And we often think of it as, as a feeling, but it's, it's actually, you know, standing alongside and suffering with, and just as Jesus suffered for us. Yeah. I think also, going back to that last question, um, on the practical side, um, we are the only agency or charity that do this in the area. And I do worry that if we were there doing what we do, who would do it? Mm-hmm. It's like um, the women, um, when they put on remand or this, they're serving a sentence, prison sentence, they go to the local prison, which is Wakefield, and that's not local. So they get no visitors, um, they have nothing. So we, we run a service where Kath will go once a month and she'll do a drop-in, just so they've got someone visiting them. She'll write to them. Um, on release, um, they're just let out in Wakefield with a travel warrant. So what? You know, they don't know where they're going. They'll have directions and and a, and a voucher, but they have to go to Manchester. So mm. what happens is they'll end up in another cycle of abuse and addiction because they get stuck there, or they get back to Hull on a Friday. No agencies are are open, so they've got a week a weekend mm. to sort themselves out. So Kath goes and picks them up. She waits at the gate for them. She brings them back. Um, and that helps them to, you know, get into the probation. She helps them to get into accommodation. So hopefully that will help them not get back into that cycle. So it's just little, it, it sounds, some say little things, it's big things, but mm. it's things like that that nobody else is doing. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's why we do it. Kathy even went and picked up on Christmas Eve. Because yeah. <laughs> a woman was due to be released on Christmas Day and they thought, oh, that's not going to be a great day, so... We'll release her Christmas Eve, but everybody had already shut. So, yeah, she went and picked her up and managed to get her in. That's just somewhere. just so life changing, and and like we've said, a key difference. I mean, it's it's wonderful that you exist, but the key difference between you and perhaps other agencies is that you have hope for these ladies. You know, you have a hope to bring them. You have the light to bring them, and so that must just make such a difference too. Yeah, we always say we never go up. On anyone, but some are quite challenging, aren't they? I mean, me and Kath have met a few people and come away saying, Well, this isn't going to be a natural love. We, we definitely yeah. did Jesus' look for this one. Yeah. But I mean, it's just because, you know, they, mm. they are, yeah, they've been so hurt that they come across as, as uh, very, mm. very angry quite often. Mm. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And they come from any, any walk of life. I mean, you know, we, we paint this picture, or the media paints a picture of, of what women on the street are like, uh, where they come from. They can come from anywhere. Um, I was shocked a few years back when I went out one night and it was one of my youngest daughter's friends was, oh, sorry, you can still guess me now. She was out there. She could, I mean, she had a fantastic upbringing, but she was out there, so it can be anybody. Yeah, thank you. So, what is on your heart for the future? How can we as a church step in? What is it that's going to bring transformation? Um, 
I guess we're such a small team, um, there's only so much we can do. We're conscious we're all getting older, aren't we, Claire? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a big birthday recently, did you, Claire? <laughs> but, um, 21. Yeah, and, and, you know, we know that it's the small things that make the difference. It's, it's just, yeah, doing little life things with them that nobody's ever done with them that make the difference. And, and yet, as a, as a small team, we are so often dealing with the emergency, dealing with the attack. I mean, Friday I got taken up with doing an identification of some um, CCTV of a woman they believed to have been attacked. And so y you can you can get very busy with those things mm. and, and neglect things that we know are important. And so to have a, a bigger community, um, yeah, that knows Jesus as the heart of compassion that can welcome the women in and, and mm. um, serve in different ways, it, it all makes such a difference. Um, you know, we've, we've brought many women to church, but when you work in this Monday to Friday, it's quite, hard to, I mean, you know, you want them to come here, but to, to be the one who brings them and stays with them and everything, it's kind of crossing all those boundaries, isn't it? It's, um, mm -hmm. it's obviously what you want, but uh, so just to have other people that would um, nurture and mentor and come alongside people would make such a difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, our dream and is trying to become a reality because we've dreamt about it for far too long is to step into housing because there's there's nothing that it's safe for the women in the city mm -hmm. i mean um during covid so many women were raped in the hostels because they're so male dominated and um from a shouting a bit the council have opened a women's only place uh, but it's just manned by security guards it's not a home it's not a place to heal it's just it's better than what we had, but it's not somewhere where you're going to be restored. And the more we look into it, um, you know, it's just got to be full of a community that love Jesus who are going to yeah. take them yeah. on this journey of, of healing, really. So we need so many more people than we can do. Um, yeah. yeah, wonderful. Did you have anything to add to that, Claire? Um, no, not really. Just, yeah, the, the word is volunteers. We need yeah. volunteers. Um, like Yvonne said, it's just, we... Because Yvonne's the only full-time worker at the moment, mm -hmm. and the rest of us are part-time. So there are days when maybe Yvonne's on her own in the building, and so if anyone knocks on the door, it's not really safe or appropriate for her to answer. Where if we had a volunteer there, She's got that second person. Um, all those times when we're really busy and, you know, you need somebody just to sit with somebody and talk while somebody else goes and makes a, a drink. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just, just the presence of somebody, somebody else in the building. Um, and can we'd always find lots of little jobs to do, can't we? Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how, if you guys want to get more involved in this, this wonderful ministry and in, in Flourish as we partner with Lighthouse. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a while. But stories are so powerful, aren't they? And you've got so many stories, haven't you, of, of lives changed, lives impacted through this ministry. Would you like to share some of the key ones with us? We'd love to hear about them. Um, yeah, I mean, just, as, I guess, one good story, just to demonstrate the power of the church praying behind us, really. Um, 
a young lady that we met in 2018. I think she was 22 when we first saw her out on the street. And it was one of those nights we saw her right at the end of the shift. Um, and she was incredibly drunk and giggly and had obviously not been out there before. Um, she was so drunk she gave us a name and where she was staying and everything. Because normally it takes a little bit, we get a working name. And, it can take years to build up trust, but she was too drunk to care, really. And it was hard to go home and sleep that night. Um, and then, yeah, when we, by the time we went to try and find where she was, the next day she'd been thrown out. And so, um, yeah, she, uh, I think it was 2019 before we managed to actually support this young lady. And by that point, she was living in a tent with a very violent partner. But was better than being in a tent on your own. Um, we used to find her at the back of uh, Kate Stadium. Well, it's not Kate Seat Stadium now, yeah. but yeah. yeah, yeah, very hidden in the uh, yeah there. Um, take food parcels and get us some bedding and things for a while. Um, but yeah, so we, we it was a long journey with her. She had been well. We she would only let. Her, you know so much because it was too hard for her mm. stories to be opened, really. But we, I knew that she'd um, witnessed her mum die at the age of five. She'd been found uh, with her mum at the age of five, dying from an overdose. So there was a lot of trauma. Um, and she had been an alcoholic from the age of 19, I think. Um, so it was mainly alcohol, but she had got onto heroin with this partner she was with. Uh, but an amazing young lady. She was just, a, everybody looked at you know, she was amazing. Um, but caused us a lot of heartache. And I would say it's like an emotional roller coaster with her. Uh, but anyway, she got on the list of the most top 10 vulnerable homeless people, which is the council would work with. Um, and so she was given a flat, a council flat. Um, and it was lovely, they did it up. And she was just so excited. But it's so vulnerable that within a matter of weeks, um, this lovely, lovely man um, had basically groomed her and he was county land drugs dealer, so they basically cuckooed her flat and um, she ended up on remand for a, a lot of things. Um, and then she desperately wanted to go to prison because she just knew everything was out of control. And, and so, thankfully, in, <laughs> In the beginning of COVID, she went to prison, and it was the best thing for her, which is sad, because a lot of the women say, I just want to be back in prison. It's incredible, isn't it, that, that, that they would rather have yeah. the stability of prison than yeah, to be free. And the safety and mm. the chance mm. to recover, really, because their mm. the bodies are just wrecked by it all. So, yeah, so she ended up in prison. We couldn't visit her because of um, COVID, but we brought it to her, and we sent clothes in, and, and uh, eventually was allowed to visit her. Um, but before she went into prison, um, she talked to us about God quite a lot. We brought her strategically to pick up food parcels and, oh, this is my church. It's like, yeah. And she came to an alpha, actually. Um, and she felt so welcome. She loved it. But the, the, the hard thing was is she didn't know how to join in conversation because any of her, to disclose things. But, but she was touched, really was touched from that um, and often would talk to us about God. So when she was in prison, we sent her a Bible, we sent her the Alpha books and she wrote some amazing letters saying she was reading them and um, 
she really, she was in prison for 18 months, but she was on remand all that time because of COVID. Court never went ahead, it kept going, getting put mm. back. But she got all her education in there and um, was reading the Bible and visiting the chaplain in there and, yeah, really wanted to make a difference. It was amazing when we met her. But she went to court um, because she'd been on remand. Nobody can set anything up for you out here, like housing or anything. She went to court thinking she took nothing with her, thought she'd be going back to prison. And they just released her. Um, thankfully, somebody got a hold of me and I picked her up. But she was just released after 18 months of her life being like mm -hmm. so rigid and in, in prison to, to be in the middle of the hall with nothing. So we, we got her some clothes and we got her somewhere to stay. But yeah, she, she soon relapsed. Um, but she didn't want to. And she, she knew that if she went further down that journey, that we would lose her completely. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, we, we started to talk about Jesus and pray with her. And we found this uh, Christian rehab in Loughborough. And she said she wanted to go. So that's where we were heading with it. Um, the, she couldn't get past. She had to, do, she had to have a de uh, detox. And in Hull, they just weren't getting it done quick enough. So a charity in Loughborough had said that they would pay for this, um, a Christian charity. And, and so, but we had to get her through this assessment. And every time they got her on the phone, they had to ask her personal questions. And she just couldn't talk about it. She would just storm mm -hmm. off because that's how she coped with life. Anyway, this, it was a last chance for this, basically. And um, she had one more chance to, to speak to them. And so uh, on that day, yeah, she rang us up in an hysterical. Um, we didn't realize at the time she'd just literally been raped, but she wouldn't tell us where it was. She was going to end her life. Um, yeah, so it was just... The enemy was evident that week leading up to it. it was, there was a number of things, but the, it was just horrific, really. So um, anyway, we prayed because we didn't know where she was, and somebody from one of the hostels who knew her spotted her, saw her in a state, and picked her up. So we got her saved. So Kath had her home group praying that night, and uh, I had my home group praying for her that night. And um, when Kath picked her up in the morning, she'd had a, a dream or a visitation, and she said, for the first time ever, she knew she was loved, that God had visited her. She knew she was loved. Um, and she came in with hope. She said, I actually feel hope for today. Amazing. So we got to pray with her, um, and she did the assessment. And yeah, as soon as they asked the personal question, she stood up and was about to walk away, but she sat down, and through tears, she spoke through it. Um, she found the strength for the first time, and she spoke through it. And, yeah, it was just such a breakthrough moment. Um, so, yeah, so she went down to this Christian rehab and we got the privilege of going to visit her down there. Wow. Um, and, yeah, it just transformational. I mean, she was telling me how she'd spoken tongues the day before, how she'd been Amazing. healed. She was quoting scripture at us. She'd been yeah. praying for me because she knew I'd been ill. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, they literally... Uh, they were up at half seven, she just Bible study mm. every morning, she worshipped, she was like, oh, because she'd been to church for a couple of times. I'm like you now, even in my bedroom, praising Jesus, like this, mm. just throwing her arms in the air. Mm. I mean, yeah, this is a, a, a girl who you couldn't have even put your hand on the shoulder to hug her because she would have flinched before. And 
and she yeah. sat and told us how, you know, in that morning, they do counselling in the morning and then in the afternoon they go to the gym or they do an allotment or, you know, it's just... Mm. Um, and she told us that morning that, you know, through her counselling, Jesus had been in that cupboard that her mum used to lock her in when she was four and... Um, yeah, he'd taken her by the hand and walked her out of it. And that, you know, this is Amazing. like, this was a, a young lady who had, yeah, really been in a very different place. So just to see. Absolutely incredible. And, yeah. you know, I'm feeling incredibly moved, as I'm sure everybody who is, is listening um, to that story, Yvonne. And, and what stands out to me as well is that through that roller coaster time, um, that you guys must have been the one constant in her life. Yeah. That the people who were always there for her and, you yeah, know... she'd not engaged with anybody before because it's so, like, with an agency, a lot of them have got to stick to such rigid things if you're mm. late or you don't turn up, you're struck off, basically. Mm. And, um, and I think because we're not, like, like probation and things, you, you have to do it and, and wear a choice, kind of... Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's the little things. You pick them up and you take this from yeah. to an appointment, but you're building up a relationship. Um, and, and, and that's the other thing I say is so evident. You know, you and Claire speaking through tears, that you, 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 you get Christ's heart for these people. You, you love these women and walk with them through some of the toughest, toughest times. And, you know, there's a cost to that, but they know that they're loved and that you're there for them. I just think that is absolutely amazing. Claire, I know you've got a story for us as well that you wanted to share. No, actually, I've been sort of thinking, oh, what can I say? Um, it was something, actually, Yvonne okay. reminded me of um, just as we were sitting over there. Um, I don't know whether many of you remember Mary. Um, Mary was a lady we, we worked with for, for many years, and she became a, a big part of the church. Um, and oh, she's just an amazing lady. Um, but one of the other women um, that we were working with, she fell ill and um, was on life support. And Mary, through her strong faith, said, I'm going to pray for, for her. I'm going to pray for recovery and that she'll find Jesus. And so she went into the, the hospital and prayed for this other lady and truly believed that she would, you know, she would recover and she would find Jesus. And she did. She, she came through and she came a week later. Was it a week later she came to church? She came to church a week later. And we, did she give her? We feel that we should give her life. No, she definitely she, did. Yeah. She, she came in in typical, if you know her, typical fashion of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, smelling of cannabis. Uh, but... <laughs> equally demanding toast and tea and, and I think Josh did break rolls and get involved in, yeah. <laughs> and then she spilled the tea everywhere yeah. and then at the end of the service she very loudly stood up and said I get it now, I get it now and went to the front <laughs> um, and she died two weeks later didn't she? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> sad but yeah. obviously it was an answer to prayer, she recovered she got a chance to, to find God and find peace and yeah yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Are there any more? One more story you want to share? I mean, I know there's lots you could choose from. And I know that for, for lots and lots of times, for every success that we've described, it's not always the case, is it? But you will carry on regardless through the successes, through the failures, because you know that Jesus loves these ladies and you don't know 
you know, what difference And we never know the whole picture, do we? No. That's the thing. We don't, uh -huh. we don't know the whole picture. So, you know, I can, I, there's few, very few of them that have never accepted prayer. I think they've all accepted prayer. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's just showing how much you love and care for them. And, and so, yeah, some of them do disappear. We, we have lost a lot through, even if they come off the drugs, it's just ill health. They, mm -hmm. they, they yeah. have a short life, really. But, um, but it, it's the long haul. It is, it is, yeah. You have family. It is the long haul. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's uh, one lady who... Um, oh, it's been years since we've supported her, and, and she's got three children now, hasn't she? Uh, mm. um, yeah. And, but the, her first child, um, Kath knows his story, better tells it a lot, but um, she was forced by this violent partner to give up her first baby mm. and he got adopted and, and she never saw him again. And then, um, I mean, she's brought up these other three children and lives in Armland, but she brings us up to make sure we're all right now. Mm. And she invited Kath to um, the twins' birthday party and Kath went round there and there was a knock at the door. and. Um, when, when she went to the door, uh, she said, oh, I'd like to introduce you to. And it was this son that she'd Aww. given up, um, been forced to give up in a horrendous part of her life. And he'd, um, yeah, found her and was a big part of the family now. And, and you know, mm -hmm. she wanted to share that with Kath, so, mm -hmm. yeah. That's absolutely wonderful. I was remembering, Claire, when you were helping with Grow Baby before you came on staff, there was a lady who came to us who was pregnant and we were helping with some baby clothes. And I thought, oh, this is wonderful. And then you shared with me afterwards that she wasn't going to be able to keep that baby, yet she'd wanted some things, things for them. And just think, oh... You know, and that broke my heart at the time, just seeing her excitement about this baby and wanting to have some things ready. And you said she's not going to be able to keep the baby. No, we, we get that quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, there's not a lot of the women that we support do manage to keep their children. Mm. Um, you know, we try and support them as much as we can. Um, and actually, there is another lady at the moment who was really working hard towards, um, yeah. you know, getting her mm -hmm. little girl back. Um, and she actually is donating clothes to grow baby. Incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. She's the, there's like Yvonne said earlier. They're so strong, courageous women. I, I couldn't. I, I mm. couldn't put up with a fraction of what they they put up with in their lives. I really couldn't. They mm. people see them as as yeah as as weak, but they're not. They're amazingly strong. Mm. Amazing, strong, courageous women. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling incredibly emotional just listening to all of this. If there are people here tonight who've been listening and want to get more involved, what should they do? Volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> what would volunteering look like? There's lots of different ways, aren't there? Yeah, yeah there, there are. There's lots of different mm -hmm. ways on all different levels, really, for different people. Mm -hmm. I mean... Um, Prayer is a massive thing, uh, you know, to, to be praying for, for the women and for the team and, yeah, that's massive. Um, you know, there might be somebody who wants to volunteer regularly and, and would like to come out on an mm -hmm. evening outreach. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's how a lot of us started or, or had time during the day to be part of helping out at the art group or the drop-in or... Um, 
doing some cleaning, that would be helpful. Um, yeah. But equally, when people get housed, you know, if there's people who are free to just come and uh, get alongside them and help do their flat up or um, do their gardening or, uh, yeah, that kind of thing is, is always welcome. Um, or even down to writing prison letters. You know, we've got some women who are in prison for a long time and um, we do try and write to them, but these things get distracted, you yeah. know, when we're busy and we yeah. don't do it as often as we, somebody else could. Uh, mm. So I guess it's like that. There's probably not many of you used to do pen friends. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you're in prison, a lot of them have said it's the only card or the only letter Amazing. they ever get. So it can be as simple as, as writing letters. Um, equally, just, yeah, being willing to get alongside people and, and just do everyday life things that they don't do, really, mm -hmm. you know. Um, there was somebody the other day, it was the first time they'd... Somebody... Uh, one of the nurses paid for it. It was the first time they'd ever been to the cinema. Um, mm. I mean, this lady who we've got with terminal cancer, she's asked us to take her to see the sea. Uh, you know, the, there's like simple things that you can get alongside people and mm. eating around a table, you know, with somebody and things like that. So Small things to they love, like yeah. you said earlier, make a huge difference, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and, and I mean, I think a lot of it will... It will take time, because, I mean, it can take us years to build up trust with some of these women, mm. won't it? But I think if we're just a community who's not just the women we work with, but so many people in our city, aren't there, who mm. just need acceptance and welcoming yeah. in, and if we've just got our hearts ready to, mm -hmm. to do that, um, mm. it's just going to look so different, isn't it? One of my lovely memories, when we did a Christmas meal um, last year, was at the end of the meal, we had some music on and they just got up and started dancing, some of the ladies that you'd brought. They just felt so at home and I just remember feeling incredibly moved by that. I know, and that's a privilege because I dance yeah. with them and I'm not a person who dances. <laughs> they kind of bring out a bit of freedom yeah. in us, really. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also we've, we've just had... Um, well, because we've, we've moved recently into... Well, recently, it's two years now, is it? Into our own building. Mm -hmm. um, we're still having renovations done and... We've had a, a lovely wet room and like laundry uh, room done. So we are having women just dropping in. Mm. Uh, so we do need people around, you know, just to help maybe help somebody just load the washing in or, mm. uh, and sit and talk to them while they're, they're, they're doing that. Um, and we're also getting our kitchen done. So anyone who's good at cooking or baking you know there's always somebody wanting to learn so there's so many different there's ways to be involved so the sky's the limit there is but, so much, yeah. and we are going to be doing in a couple of weeks on the 5th of july a flourish and lighthouse vision night so again if you have a heart for what um claire and yvonne are speaking about tonight i want to make a difference with this we'll be giving out more information close to the time we would love you to join with that but, yeah, I've just found it absolutely incredible. Can we give these ladies a massive round of applause? I think it's been amazing. And I think we're going to do some ministry time together tonight, aren't we? Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening.
We hope to see you soon.